0: Well, good evening. It's good to see each and every one of you. Welcome to Tuesday Evening Chapel. Welcome to our first chapel service of the winter trimester. Are you glad you're here? Turn to, turn to somebody next to you, behind you, in front of you, and let them know that so I'm glad you are here this evening. I trust that you had a great break and a good Thanksgiving. There are some of you this evening that this is your first, um, first time here at Nazarene Bible College. This is your first chapel. Is there anybody? Okay, let's welcome them, everyone. Welcome, welcome to chapel. Thank you for joining us this evening. Our speaker for this evening is one of our adjunct instructors in our pastoral ministries um, department and also lead pastor at Gathering Stones Community Church out in Falcon. And it's Reverend Ronnie Wilson. Where did he go? He's around. Thank you, Reverend. He's going to be bringing us the word. We're working on a theme for the year, and it comes from 2 Timothy chapter 1. Last term, we focused on that first part of the uh, scripture. And it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. And this trimester, this winter term, uh, I would like for us to focus in on the second uh, portion. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love. Can we say that together? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love. One more time. For God has not given us spirit of fear, but of love. Amen. We believe that this evening. Let us pray together. God, we thank you for your your spirit of love. God, thank you for loving us so much. We thank you for sending your only begotten son to die for our sins and setting us free, God. God, we love you because you first loved us. May you continue to love through us. In your name we pray, amen. Let us all stand as we worship this evening.
1: Well, I'm not here nearly enough that's what I'm reminded of today and uh, makes me really wish that I taught on Tuesday evenings. I imagine uh, that might make theology a little more interesting to have worship somewhere mixed in there and uh, certainly enjoy that very much. It is good to be here and as always enjoy the invitation and appreciate that very much JC and thank you so much for leading us in worship. Well The title of today's message is Advent Light, and if you haven't noticed, Advent is already upon us once more, and uh, we'll be exploring together Hebrews chapter 7, specifically verses 23 through 28, and uh, looking at some gospel texts as well to kind of help us as we're looking at what this Advent season is really all about. And uh, I've got to tell you, I've got some everyday heroes in my life, some of them Uh, right here at this institution, Uh, but I brought a photograph of my family with me, and maybe they're going to make it up there, there they are, my wife and uh, two sons, oldest his name is Breckton, and youngest his name is Talon, and yes Talon is about the same size as his three year old, older brother and uh, I've already contacted colleges to uh, be scouting this kid so uh, we'll see how that works out. But uh, my family are heroes for me, everyday heroes I would say it. And on occasion we've had the rare opportunity to uh, actually meet some of our heroes and this is a photograph of our oldest son Breckton getting a chance to meet Woody and Buzz this last summer and that was very special for them but sometimes of course if you've ever had a chance to run into your hero or meet your hero from time to time, uh, it doesn't always go like we might expect to meet that hero. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, we can be burned sometimes. Maybe we get something very unexpected from what we thought we might receive. And the truth is, friend, that there is a price to pay when we pick the wrong heroes in life. Isn't there? And we live in a world that truly is in need of heroes. Uh, there's no doubt about that, because darkness is incredibly prevalent in our world today. In fact, we see and we experience profoundly disturbing examples of darkness in our world daily, don't we? But while darkness in our world might seem, at some at some level anyway, worse than maybe it's ever been before, the truth of the matter is, is that darkness is nothing new, is it? And we know that darkness has always been a reality, but of course the good news for us today is that even the most intense darkness, emptiness, and fear that threatens to overcome every single one of us, friend, is unable to overcome the light. And this truly is good news in this Advent season for us. In fact, in John's Gospel, darkness and death was in fact the final word. However, when Jesus arrives, life and light now have the final word. Take a look at John's gospel, chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. In him Jesus was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is profoundly powerful. This is truly good news for us. And of course, this is how John's gospel opens and we all know here at the Bible College that the word gospel literally means good news. And there is no better news than Advent light. And this Advent light has truly come. And this light and life has overcome the darkness. But too often in our world today, this is not necessarily the truth that we live by, that we understand, that we truly live our lives in accordance with. And each Advent season I believe, that at least personally, I need to be reminded of this good news because of course we are inundated with darkness and uh, so it serves as a good reminder because we do live and experience darkness daily. Very deep darkness by the way, so much so that many people live with a hopeless existence. Unfortunately, it's the case. I just received a phone call prior to coming today from a good friend of mine, describing darkness that has invaded their lives, and uh, I am praying with them and asking God to reveal His light in their life in a fresh and new way. But in our culture, we have far more experience of darkness than we do of light. In fact, our experience of darkness is what overcomes life. At least this is what we think. We often see stories throughout the news cycle and so forth that seem to support this kind of a thing. We see darkness in the world all around and even right here close to home. Very recently the Aurora shootings that rocked everybody. You know kind of like the Columbine thing. Reminded folks of that once more. And then even very recently this ten year old girl, Jessica Ridgeway. Of Westminster, Colorado, as she was brutally killed by a suspected 17 year old boy, to make the matter even worse. And these kinds of stories, especially when they are compiled with the thousands of other stories, they break our hearts, don't they? And yet we can become numb to these kinds of things. But these stories are anything but good news. In fact, There are so many of these kinds of stories that pervade the news cycle today that we might wonder, like so many, if the gospel message is simply too good to be true. Could it possibly be true? Is this Advent light really what it claims to be? And I imagine that this is the view of many people who live their lives surrounded by darkness today. I believe that this brings us today to a very good place for us to look together at our life shaping and potentially life altering story from the truth of God's good word as we discover the remedy for the never ending battle with darkness and death. So let's take a look together, Hebrews chapter 7 beginning with verse 23. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. Look at how this passage begins. Hebrews acknowledges that the priest represented the only form of hope that the people really could know. And we find out a lot more about that back in chapter five of Hebrews, the details of this reality. The high priest was the one who could make sufficient sacrifice for sin. The high priest was the one who represented the people before God, who made intercession between God's people and the almighty holy God. But the high priest, who was this one person, who was entrusted with doing battle with darkness, however, this person seems to have weakness. Even they could not do anything about death. Death and darkness still had the last word, since death prevented them, our passage says, from continuing in office, meaning that the priestly office of making sacrifice for sin, representing the people before God and interceding for them, was limited by death. In other words, despite our very best uh, go at it, our very best effort, Death and darkness seem to have the last word. John chapter 1 verse 9 says this. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. This light that gives light to everyone. Now back to the story. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 24 and forward. But because Jesus lives forever. He has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. The high priest, as great as he was, did not live forever. In fact, the high priest was limited just as we all are by this problem of death. But... Jesus lives forever. This is something that has never happened before. Jesus is unlike any other intercessor on our behalf. Jesus lives forever. So, what does this mean for darkness? What does this mean for death? And what does this mean for us? Well, let's take a look at the rest of the story. Verse 26 and forward. Such a high priest truly meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints his high priest men in all their weakness but the oath the word which came after the law appointed the son who has been made perfect forever darkness and death certainly pervade our culture and our world and darkness and death appears to have the final word but friends light and life fully and truly meets our need. In fact, this advent of light has come. This Thanksgiving, just this past week, I probably should have been grading papers, but instead, I went skiing. And, uh, you know, it was a hard choice, let me tell you. Uh, but for two years now, I guess it's almost become a tradition for our family. Anytime you do something more than once, especially in a church, it's just tradition and holy, by the way. And uh, so we've started a holy tradition on Thanksgiving Day of taking our oldest son skiing. Uh, Went up to Copper Mountain. Let me tell you, it was beautiful. And so the plan was to leave very early, earlier than I typically get up. And I got up so early that it was still dark. I thought, well, maybe I still have multiple hours of sleep. But my wife informed me we got to go. So we got in the car, and we're driving, of course, in the darkness. And uh, starting our way up 24, up these mountains that I see every day. You know, we're so blessed to have the beauty of God's creation, it's so very close to home. Uh, but I'm making my way up the mountain, headlights on, and then all of a sudden, something dramatic takes place. They call it, now I've never seen it before, but they call it the sunrise. And apparently, this happens very early in the morning, every single day. I had no idea. And uh, so the sun is rising, and uh, let me tell you. If you've witnessed a Colorado sunrise, there's nothing like it. The darkness of the horizon becomes filled with the beauty of the color of God's creation. And every crevice, every dark place in these mountains began to look beautiful. More beautiful than I've seen during the rest of the day. As the sun was just on the horizon and hitting those mountains. And let me tell you, those mountains sank. And we found ourselves worshiping God on Thanksgiving morning on our way up to a beautiful place to ski with our sun. Friends, the light completely changes everything, especially in comparison with the darkness that we know all too well. And friends, this is the power of verse 25 for us today. Take a look at that again. Therefore. He is able to save completely those who come to God through Him. Jesus saves completely. In our dark world the true light has come. And for those of us who have studied eschatology, maybe in one of my classes, we know that we have the hope of the already and not yet. We know that the advent light has come. And we live in the expectant hope that the Advent light is coming. It's coming for you today. It's coming this season. We visit it every single year. But friend, just like anything else, we can forget the brilliance of the sunrise. If we do not experience it afresh and new in our lives once more. And so, this changes everything. Earlier, I mentioned this young girl that we've seen in the news, and I just heard a story just today about the young man accused of taking her life, uh, young 10 year old Jessica Ridgeway. She happened to live very close to the church that my wife and I were pastors at when we were in North Denver, in Westminster, and as a result, many of the people that we ministered to knew her and her family. Likewise, they know the young man who's accused of her murder, Austin Sig. Shortly after the arrest of Austin Sig, one of the families that we know very well at the church there uh, posted something on Facebook. You see, his daughter, who I had the privilege of ministering to, knew this young man from elementary school all the way on through to high school. And so as soon as I saw what he had posted on Facebook, I contacted him and I asked him for permission to use his words. He said that he had prayed prior to making this post, that God would use it any way that he saw fit. And for me, I saw the hope and light of Christ in the midst of a tragic situation, and I want to read what my friend Jerry wrote. He wrote this. After seeing many of the comments concerning the arrest of Austin Sig, I feel I also need to share. Nothing in this comment is meant to diminish the horror and awfulness of what happened to Jessica and her family. Obviously, many of us are close enough to knowing Austin, that we are recognizing him as a person. Something that is heavy on my mind is that we need to understand that God loves Austin. Nothing excuses what he did. If he did it, keep in mind he has to be proven guilty. And if he did it, he needs to be punished. Having said that, I feel the compulsion to pray for him and his family. God is bigger than the evil that we've seen in our community. And we need to put God in front of this so that He can heal all involved. Both spiritual and physical healing is desperately needed for many, including the SIGs. We also need to be on our guard physically and spiritually at all times, looking for those that need a friend or someone to talk to when they are hurting. Then he says this, be that light in this world of darkness. May God bless you all. And he signed it, Jerry. As soon as I read this, I contacted him. And I asked him for permission, of course, to use his words. But I believe, friends, that God was speaking once more into the utter darkness of even such a tragic and brutal situation like this particular news story that continues to shock folks. Friends, God always speaks life and light into the dark. Always. In fact, that's the founding of all creation. God spoke. Let there be light, and there was light. A friend of mine recently shared a uh, song from a Christian band with me, and it was a little bit outside of Uh, what I typically listen to, I guess, these days. I'm pretty eclectic, but but this caught my attention because it was a music video, and I noticed the lead singer as being Brian Welch, otherwise known as Head. You might recognize Head here. He's the former lead of a controversial band known as Korn. Maybe you've heard of Corn before. They've sold more than 30 million albums. The band launched nationally with a tour with Ozzy Osbourne and Queen. And Head described the popularity of Corn's music as a result of the anger and pain from which it came. Friends, Corn is a very good example of the pervading darkness in our culture today. In fact, the lead singer said that's really where the music derived from. So, how in the world, I wondered, did Head go from Corn to Christian music? I figured it must have been the money, you know. Uh, (laughs) Obviously, probably not the money. And so I began to look into it and I researched this a little bit because I was very interested, very intrigued. And I researched that Brian Welch had found out back in 2004 that he was deeply depressed. He described himself as being suicidal and addicted. He fantasized about what a relief it would be if he actually did finally overdose. He said this, My life was crumbling. I needed to get off drugs. I tried a couple of rehabs, but that didn't work. Then one day, he heard his five-year-old little girl singing one of his songs from *Corn*, that was highly explicit and dealt with sexual issues. He said he knew at that point that he had to leave the multi-platinum band and raise his daughter right. I imagine his five year old little girl was an everyday hero much like my five year old little boy is for me. So Welch reached out to a Christian friend in an email, didn't know where else to turn. Days later that friend wrote back saying of Welch that he came to mind as he read a passage from Matthew's gospel. It's Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. We're familiar with it. Come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest." Welch said that this verse touched something very deep inside of him, and a lifetime of pain came pouring out. He told his friend that he felt like a lost soul, and he recalled asking Jesus into his heart even as a child, and he remembered the presence and peace and love that embraced him in his youth. It was while he was contemplating whether or not this Jesus thing was really the answer for him that he said supernatural coincidences began to take place in his life. He said he began to run into old friends who had since accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And then his daughter's best friend, a neighbor girl, began to invite her to church. And so, he decided to go to church with his little girl. Welch said this, So I decided to go to church. The pastor was talking about how Jesus was real, and all you needed to do was to talk to him, and he'd deliver you. So that's what I did. I went home, and I said, Jesus, if you are real, take this stuff away from me. Make me a good person. Take away my suicidal thoughts. Help me to want to live again. Days after the prayer, Welch felt enough resolve to finally give up his drug addictions. He said the thing that tripped me out the most was I didn't have those depressing thoughts like I did before. God was really doing something awesome inside of me. It was during that moment that Welch decided to leave the multi-platinum band corn during a multi-million dollar contract negotiation. He said in his book called Save Me From Myself He said, I had been filled with anger, confusion, hate, selfishness, greed, you name it. Friends, if we had to give name to it, we know what to call it, don't we? Darkness. This is what it is. It pervades our lives, our culture. We've seen it time and again. But he said, when God revealed himself to me, it was a supernatural peace and love that was so far higher and beyond anything you can experience on earth, I knew it was God. I knew it was Him revealing heaven to me, eternal life. He poured out His love into my heart, and I was instantly changed in that moment. I mean, God became so real to me. Try to tell head that death and darkness has the last word. I think he has a different perspective, don't you? Well, we might think that these kinds of salvation stories are rare. The truth is, they are far too rare. But oftentimes, when we see a testimony like this, we see such a dramatic change in someone's life. Sometimes we're a bit skeptical, aren't we? And I've come to realize that it's not because we're skeptical of Head and his experience with the Lord. But I believe we become skeptical because we wonder, is it true? Could it be that the darkness that pervades my life can really be changed? Could it be that salvation really can come to my life today? And Friend, I believe this is the perfect place for us to do what we do at Gathering Stones and download an app. In other words, to bring application to God's good word into our lives together today. Well, our son Brechton, he's five I mentioned, he just started school for the first time this year. Kindergarten. And uh, he's been studying a hero this semester and this is all new to all of us so I don't know if this is something they'll do every semester or what. But the hero that he had been studying is Christopher Columbus. And uh, because of his interest in what he was learning, his grandpa who happens to live here in town. Let Brecton borrow a book, and I brought a copy of it, so you can see here. It's called "The Light and the Glory." And it's a children's book about various uh, heroes throughout history and so forth. And so before bed, we're uh, reading this book to Brecton. He could not wait to go to bed that night to read this book. And so we're reading it together. He's trying to read as best he can. and my wife and I are taking turns reading the book to him. And we came to a part of the story that he had not heard before. Apparently he wasn't taught this particular part of the story in class. And uh, like this part of the long journey uh, toward the Americas as the captains of all three ships got together with Columbus. And they described to Columbus that things were not going so well. I guess they thought he was clueless. I imagine he knew things weren't going so well. But the men of course they were grumbling, they were scared, they were tired, Friend, they had not seen land for 31 days. Imagine that. Remember, they didn't know for sure if they were going to find land at all. And 31 days. I'm not much into the cruise ship thing. You know, I see what happens to those things occasionally. I'm not down with that. I want to be on the land. You know, uh, I'll do the skiing thing and all that. I, I, just, I can't imagine what these people are going through. And so they said to Columbus that you don't even know if there is land ahead. Columbus recorded the conversation in his journal. We are too far away from Spain, sir, they said, and we don't know what lies ahead. You must turn the ships around. Realizing that they still would not survive on the way back more than likely because they had run out of fresh water and uh, all their rations were certainly running out. And so the moment that we read this part, our son Brechton, he piped up. He was like, no, what? They, they can't turn back now. You know? He was upset about it. He knows the rest of the story, you see. He said, they can't give up. They can't turn back. Well, Columbus, we read, felt very defeated in all this. He told the captains that he would travel for just three more days. And if by October 12th, they did not see land, that they would in fact turn back and try to make it. Then it was. On October 12th, 1492 land was discovered. There was celebration. There were tears of joy. There were tears of sadness because of the loss they had already faced and so forth. But as they made their way toward that land, and they landed there on the shore. It was the shore of, and it was on the next page, and Breton, our five year old, pipes up. He said, San Salvador. We turned the page. Sure enough. San Salvador. Like, my son is smarter than I am. That's no surprise. Uh, But, of course, he's much smarter than I am. And, friend, obviously they gave the name San Salvador to this land because it means Holy Savior. Holy Savior. They worshipped the Savior who literally saved them as they discovered this land. And, of course, there their lives would be forever changed and the course of history would be forever changed. Friend, the depth darkness of sin, and of course death, is much like being on the ocean with no land in sight. It really is. You feel disoriented, you feel lost, you wonder if you're going to survive even one more day, much less one more moment. But the good news of Advent proclaims boldly to us today that there is the shore of San Salvador that awaits each and every one of us. Wherever we may be today, there is land just ahead. There is salvation for us, verse 26 and 27. Such a high priest truly meets our need, one who is holy blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. Jesus is no everyday hero. Jesus is not limited by death. The light of Jesus defeats death and darkness time and again. And I wonder today, are you in the ocean with no land in sight? Can I tell you, in the words of a child through the mouth of babes, don't give up. Don't give up. There is a shore of San Salvador for you today. There is a light that shines so brilliantly that it reflects the very Heavenly Father, the one who created you uniquely, the one who loves you as you are, the one who alone can transform the darkness that we find pervading our lives today. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light." If you need salvation today, maybe you question if salvation is possible at all. Friend, we have a high priest who truly meets our need. Don't turn back now. It was 4th of July back in 2008. Our oldest son was only one and a half at the time. My wife wife, uh, played college basketball, so she had some Final Four appearances and we like to go out and just shoot hoops, especially out in the beauty of God's creation here in Colorado. A lot different than Oklahoma in different places where we played basketball. And uh, we were out at the park and uh, our son is watching Shannon shoot around and, and uh, we're just all out there playing. And he picked up a ball when I guess we took a water drink or something. And I grabbed my camera as quickly as I could and I snapped this shot of our son, Brecht. He's one of my heroes. As a father, I look at this and I'm pretty inspired. I know that there is no chance he's gonna make that shot, but I want him to keep shooting. I want him to keep his head up. I want him to keep trying, because one day that shot's gonna, in fact, they are going in now. He's five. You know, he's probably better than I am at this point, so we've got some uh, college coaches on the phone that way too, I guess. But friends, can I tell you, if it looks impossible no land in sight, the Advent light has shone. And it will shine. Friends, Jesus saves completely. Father, I thank you today for your holy presence that is here in this place, the light of life. And Lord, today, we are weary. We're weary having just finished up a trimester and right back at it again. The holiday season often is burdensome for those in ministry. And then Lord, there are so many who struggle this time of year. It's a hard time for some to experience joy because of the grieving, the loss of a loved one perhaps. There are many who deal with deep depression this time of year. But Lord, oftentimes It's because we find ourselves on the ocean with no land in sight and we're misguided. We don't know the truth. Lord, would you reveal the Advent light for us in a fresh and new way? Would the sunrise come in our hearts today? Would it light every crevice, every dark place of our hearts? Father, would you? Save completely, even in this hour. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.